Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, live deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at alltheleads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook mastermind community, All The Leads Mastermind. Welcome awesome agents and investors nationwide. Today is Thursday, June 3rd, 2021, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 330. A uh, couple quick reminders. Bruce should be here momentarily. My partner Tim is on the road today. Bruce is finishing up a coaching call, and uh, he'll be here momentarily. Just remind you that we do have two ongoing contests every week. We have our winner of the week, which just requires either a listing or a sales contract, probate-specific. And then we have our idea of the week. Since the incredible seller's market has become stronger all the time. We're just looking for outside-the-box ideas, and we've had some great ones lately. Joe Lehman shared with us the idea of prospecting absentee owners. A lot of time, those people were unintentional landlords. I thought that was a great idea. And then we had an idea last week. Someone was, I think it was Carol, was cross-referencing the leads and looking for unclaimed property, and she was leading with that. Kind of a really unique way of providing extra value. We're open for any ideas that you guys have, and looks like I'm going to go it alone here, guys. Bruce will be here momentarily, but we do have three in the queue. We always have room for more, so let's go ahead and get started. Appreciate y'all being on time. Let's go to our first caller. First up this week is phone number ending in 9902. You're up first. Hi, this is Rick Wilson, Lantern Realty here in the Charlotte area. Just thought hey, Rick. Uh, tune in. How are we doing? I have to say, I, I'm not sure who I'm talking with. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. This is Jim, Sull- Jim Sullivan. Jim, okay. I'm one I of the... You know, I, yeah. I, I thought you... I thought the when you were talking that you mentioned that Jim, meaning yourself, was out. Of- no, T-I-M is on the road and J-I-M is here. Okay. All right. You're on board. Okay. So anyway, now I was actually attending a webinar this week on Zoom using the Zoom platform, because I thought that would come in handy. Obviously, during the, the this virus uh, pandemic, it would have been even more helpful had I been able to use it, or had a purpose, I should add. But now I see that I may have a purpose for using this regardless, because a lot of times it's just easier for people to get on Zoom or some other platform like it and meet with you, as opposed to driving somewhere or meeting somewhere. I think sure. it has a lot of a feel. And I wanted to get your take, Jim, on, I know a little bit about Zoom, not enough to really use it effectively yet. I've got to, I've got to really buckle down and study the, the platform. But I, sure. I also have, I think I've heard of another platform or two out there and wanted to get your take on which you thought was the easiest one to use and the one easiest to learn. Maybe they're not both the same. And I, I hear about tips about you need to wear makeup. You need a lighting and cameras and all that. Stuff. Get your custom camera crew ready. And fortunately, Bruce came on just in time. Bruce is here now. I am the second oldest and least technologically proficient of my partners, and Bruce is the youngest and most proficient. So he arrived. He arrived just in time. The, the question, Bruce from Rick, was 
he's just getting used to using Zoom. And if you had yep. any tips for using it, and you probably heard the rest of it, if there's anything else you, that you think is any better. Yeah, Rick, did you have a specific extra platform that you were going to ask about, or, or were you um, just asking? No, for? not actually. I no, None really comes okay. to mind. I know they're out there. It's got to have some okay. competition. Sure, I think I've sure. heard one or two, but I've just, and Zoom is so, uh, well, they dominate the, the, the platform. Mm-hmm. or the. Uh, it's pretty much because, in my opinion, they're the best. I think that there are some others that are popping up occasionally that, that are good. There's some old platforms. You've got the GoToMeeting. You've got uh, Webinar Pro. There's GoToWebinar, different platforms like that. Some of them are better at certain things that Zoom does, but Zoom kind of, I like it because it's the most all-round platform that can do it all, even though it might not be the best in every single area. But I'll tell you, when you're doing Zoom uh, meetings, whether it's with clients or whether you're maybe educating educating your leads, which, by the way, is a great way to, to generate probate businesses, do periodic classes with maybe an attorney or maybe an estate sale company, do some classes and invite a bunch of leads into it, a bunch of your people that you're prospecting into it. But when you're doing this, it's it is important that you have good sound. Sound is probably the most important thing. Your visual appeal is the second most important thing. So sound, I've found, and I know, guys, this isn't probate related, so I'm going to make it quick. Sound can be solved with a headset that you plug into your, your laptop. So I use the Jabra Evolve headset, Jabra Evolve. Good sound in my ears, good sound coming through my voice. Or... You could go out and you could get yourself a, a Blue Yeti microphone because I don't care what people sound like on my end as long as the sound into the class or into the meeting is good. So a Blue Yeti microphone just plugged into your into your computer through Zoom is, is amazing sound. That's what I use when I teach classes. And then all you really need to do for lighting and visibility is maybe get yourself an external webcam, a Logitech Pro, uh, not Logitech Pro, Logitech webcam that just sits on top of your computer is really high 4K quality. And then get a couple of lights and bounce them off of the wall. So you don't need to put them directly on you. You need to put them close to the wall and bounce them off of the wall where it gives a nice soft light onto you. So that's the approach when you're using Zoom, whether it's face-to-face or one-on-one or you're teaching a group. And Rick, I know very little about it, but I was just going to add, wear pants and don't turn on your cat filter. The last thing I'll ask, and I don't know, we don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but is there, you can go to YouTube. I'm sure there's plenty of advice and counsel on what to do there, because sometimes you get bogged down. I don't know this about Zoom, but because I hadn't really studied that hard, but they just a lot of selling going on while you're trying to learn. You Would you recommend their platform to teach you or go to YouTube or maybe both? Are you talking about teaching you Zoom? Yeah, teaching. Well, there's certain tricks to wait. Yeah. For example, I... Just, yeah, yeah. Just, just go on YouTube. Zoom's not a, a difficult platform to learn. Just jump over on YouTube and, and pop it in and uh, they'll you'll yeah. get about a million videos that all right. show you the same thing. Right. But it's really not difficult to learn. You want the appropriate platform. There's different levels. But, but even a basic one is good for you if you're using small groups and under 30 minutes. If you want more, you're going to end up paying like 10 or 15 bucks a month for anything that you would need until you get big. Then it costs a lot more. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
All right, listen, we'll start off small and go from there, and I appreciate your advice. Rick, before you go, i just going to make a, a quick comment. I think it's an interesting subject to bring up. We're right on the cusp of things changing. And just an example, our company for from 2013 until 2019, we had a physical presence at the real estate conventions. We would do four or five of them a year and we did very well. And now that everything's coming back to more people in the room, people are vaccinated, we're considering whether we want to do that or not. And I think it's definitely worth keeping that in mind that a lot of people have become used to online meetings and a certain per- a certain percentage of your customers are going to greatly appreciate the time saved and the efficiency of doing an online meeting. You're going to have you're going to have other customers that are touchy feely and are going to want you to show up. So oh, yeah. it, it's like it yeah, I, it's like anything else though. I think some people I've already started to notice that, that attitude a little bit with people like you mean we can't do it on Zoom? They become spoiled by being able to stay at home and do it. So I think that option in any part of your business of, of giving the people that that like the convenience the option and giving the people that like the person presence so that option also. So I, I think it's a timely thing, and it's definitely worth playing with and considering. And you had something you were going to add? No, I was going to say I think it's indispensable. At this yep. stage, I think we've turned that corner. And yes, like you said, I'm I'm the touchy feely type myself. Using this technology is a little uncomfortable. I'm a little camera shy. I'm not a beauty. I will never win another beauty contest. So I'm past that part. But but I am vain enough to look in the camera and go, who's that old guy? Yeah. So I am. I have to overcome that. But I think I will. I'm a salesperson. I was born to be one. So get over it and sure. run with it. That's what I said. Okay. Great thanks. attitude. All right. We thank you for participating. Appreciate it, Rick. We have two more in the two more in the queue, guys. We got plenty of room for more. We got a pretty good presence on the call. Don't be shy. We're looking for our winner of the week. We're looking for our idea of the week. And just hit star six and then hit one and you can be next in the queue. Next up is phone number ending in 0544. Hi, Jim and Bruce. It's Mike Record again with EXP here in DFW. Hey, Mike. Um, Hey, haven't been on for a while. Hey, to the previous caller, what I'll tell you, Zoom is like fresh as, well, in gardening, the whole thing is fresh as asbestos, right? For food and everything. I don't know how you beat in person. There's just no message degradation. So anytime we use any other tools, there's going to be some degradation. But sometimes it's all you have. And that brings me to my hit of the week. I got a call and said, hey, you sent me like three letters. We need to talk now. So that was great. Just when I think that's just an ante up and is very effective. I've had three or four hits this year just from the letters. So that's a big win. My listing presentation is tomorrow. In order to get to the listing, tomorrow, we had to do a Zoom call with the heirs. And sometimes when you guys go through your deals, you'll realize that's one of the hardest things to get everybody on the same page. But Zoom worked really well for that. Okay. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was already warmed up with the trustee. So there was, well, trust there. And the heirs that were sensitive, it really paid off. I think they could see you as much as they could feel you, so to speak. And it did help convey if I couldn't be in Massachusetts and Connecticut at the same time from Texas. So sometimes it's just the right tool for the right place. And it was all we had. But I'll always opt for going ahead and being in person if I could do that. Okay. Sure. 
yeah, I, I actually got on. So I throw, throw, throw my two cents in. I don't know if I get deal of the week, but I'm going to get that listing <laughs> tomorrow. So you guys just tell me where to send the, the listing presentation so I can. I didn't know you had a contact. I might have been on more. No, <laughs> the, go ahead. To, to your point, Mike, and I think it's important that we recognize this. There's a good mixture of real estate agents and investors that come to these calls. And I think that this is good advice no matter what type of business you're in on the investment side or real estate side. But a lot of times we're, we go out there and we're swinging for the fences. We're going for that home run all the time. Yeah. And many times... You spend so much time working in inside of your business or chasing that big deal or doing something that you forget what it's like to get on base. I'm using that baseball analogy. This I was just sharing with someone just before I jumped over here on, on our mastermind call that a few years ago, I was chasing an investment deal that was a development in Georgia. And I chased it for about eight or nine months. And the day before, I was about to make $2 million. And that's it, 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 as much as I'd like that to be peanut. <laughs> that's not peanut. I was about uh-huh. to make $2 million and the deal fell apart at the closing table the day before. And I licked my wounds for a day and then I pulled back into my business and I looked at it and I went, man, I haven't gotten on base with a base hit at all this week. And I said to myself, I've got to go back to the bunt. I've got to go back and just practice because the baseball players, you guys that have gone cold and they're swinging and missing at everything. They're just cold. And a lot of times the easiest way to get back into your business and start doing the basics is just put a bunt down, get on base. And for me, the bunt is having that one-on-one, that face-to-face. If you can start having one-on-ones and face-to-face appointments with people, even if it's not to sign a listing agreement or sign a contract, if you can just start getting into those small little inconsequential, as, as inconsequential as they feel, those small little appointments on a weekly basis, you're getting on base. And that's where um, you start to sharpen your skills and you start to get back into the game. You start to get your you're, you see the ball again as it's coming to you, and you can then progress back into the level of business that you wanted to do. So I really appreciate, Mike, the fact that you mentioned having the one-on-ones because those are um, integral to your business, even if it's not a listing appointment, even if it's not an appointment to meet with a PR. Have one-on-one. You're going to sharpen your skills. You're going to stay. You're going to stay sharp, and those lead to big things, no matter what side of the business you're on. Yep. I did have one question. It may sound silly to you guys, but I haven't been on for a while, so I've lost track. The probate foundations and the probate roll calls. What is the, I want to make sure my calendar's right, so I'm on more often. What is the sequence or the every first Tuesday or Wednesday or what? Yep. First Wednesday of every month. First Wednesday, followed is, by the is probate foundations. First Wednesday every month. And then the very next day is part two of probate foundation. So first Wednesday and then the role play call, we are rolling out a new Zoom version, sticking with the theme of the day, Zoom, a new Zoom version of role play that will be on the third Wednesday of every month at two o'clock Eastern time. And I want people showing up to that. If you have not taken foundation. You're not going to be lost. It's going to be incredibly valuable to you. But we're, most everyone is going to be role-playing and practicing the script, or let's not call it a script. Let's call it a, a dialogue training. They're going to practice that dialogue flow that we cover in Foundations. So even more reason for you to take Foundations, Mike. 
Have you taken it yet? Did you? Oh take yeah, it? oh yeah, yeah. I think I told you last time. I feel like I'm getting coaching, so I think it's great. So probate fund. Just to be clear, I got a little lost there, trying to write mm-hmm. all this down. Probate Foundation one, kind of one, is on the first Wednesday of the month, and the second Wednesday mm-hmm. of the month is Probate Foundation two, and the third. Uh, nope. No, go ahead. Forgive me, man. Forgive me. Yeah. So Probate Foundation two is the very next day. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. So I can't call it the first Thursday of the month because it might be the second. So just know that it's uh, foundations is always two days back to back. Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday. Thursday. Yep. And then the- role play. Role play. Okay. Yep. And of course we get a good bit of role play in on the on that Thursday that foundations class as well. We try to do a fair amount of role playing in that also. Okay. Good deal. All right. So those are once a month things. And then the mastermind. Uh, yep. Yep. Mastermind is going to continue to be weekly. All right. Great. Okay. Thanks so much for straightening me out on that. I made it clear as mud. Thanks for asking. I'm sure everybody else was wondering too. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Mike, just to add to the com- what you were talking about, Mike, the, it sounds like you haven't done the role play yet, right? The, the foundation's role play? No, I did the first one. This was back when Bruce was re-scrambling things and getting it set up. And he said, I think this is going to be the schedule. But don't hold me to that. At least this week or this month it will be. So I went to the first one and or maybe the second one. I think you had audio visual problems on the first one, but second and sure. third. But well no, I've been to both and I think they're it's fantastic. I appreciate that. And it's Bruce as long as I have, he's always gonna be re scrambling things, which means nothing stays <laughs> static. It always keeps improving. I was just gonna add, we have one more caller by the way, so I, I think we can spend a few times a bit of time on this and if anybody wants to jump in, just hit star six and hit one. I have been a in real estate for yeah, 47 years, believe it or not. I was a real, I've been a real estate coach for about 12 years, investor for 30, and I've been on a lot of role play calls. I've never seen it done the way that, that Bruce does it. All the other role play calls I've been on is, okay, you're the agent, I'm the seller, or vice versa, and it's start to finish, which is fine, but it doesn't, a lot of times you get off the call and you say, that guy was great, I don't think I could do it that way. Bruce's role play breaks it into segments, and it, it kind of lets you develop your own method for each segment, and I think it's just a brilliant way to do it. And we're getting a lot of, of um, rave reviews for the way he does it, and I just want to give him that pitch and say anybody that hasn't been on that, it's not like the old role play calls where you take it start to finish. And Bruce, you might want to just expand a little bit how you the, the parts that you break it into, because we'd like to have all of our clients get on, the, all of our subscribers, certainly, and anybody who's interested in being a subscriber should be on at least one of the role play sessions. Bruce, you want to give them just a quick overview of how yeah. you break it up? Yeah. For those of you that are about to get on the uh, role play call at two o'clock, where we've got day two of foundations today. So those of you that are about to be on there, give you a little bit of a sneak peek is basically I just teach that there are five main elements to the the vast majority of your conversations. So the vast majority of your conversations are all going to start with an introduction. Okay. So what's that introduction need to sound like? What are the pieces that you can't do without in that introduction? So we start with something as simple as just the greeting. Do you ask for Mr. Smith or do you ask for Bob? And I say, you ask for Bob. And and then it goes through what happens if they sound confrontational or aggressive. What do you do then? Or what do you do differently if they sound amiable and agreeable? And then we, we move 
through that introduction, which by the way, there are four four parts to your introduction. I teach you all four. At the end of at the end of teaching you the four parts to your introduction, everybody breaks out into small groups and they practice their introduction alone. So we're not practicing the whole call, we're practicing our introduction so that we so that we've got it down. Then we move into our elevator presentation, which we've for years called it the USP. I really don't care if you call it a unique selling proposition or an elevator presentation as long as you as long as you get it. So I teach you what the elevator presentation needs to sound like. I teach you what your conversational hook questions need to sound like. Those are the questions you ask when you're done presenting that create a conversation. I teach you what objections you're going to get and how to handle those. And then lastly, I teach you how to close for an appointment. And so those are the five parts of the, the conversation that I teach. And if we have time, most of the time we don't, but if we have time, we've also gone into breakout rooms and we've practiced each of those five things so that no matter where you find yourself in a conversation, you pretty much have your formula for it. You have your dialogue built for that. Perfect. So, yep. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for expanding, Bruce. And just to be clear, this is free for all of our subscribers. You can take it many times as you like. We want you to be successful with the leads, and that's why we offer this. If you're not a subscriber, it's ridiculously inexpensive if you want to try it and gain confidence before you actually get some leads. Anything else? Go ahead, Bruce. If you're not a subscriber and you want to learn the ropes beforehand, it's 149 bucks. And and I'm pretty sure, Jim, you run the sales team, so I, I can't remember what it is. But if you just want to take that and then you're signing up in a month or two, we'll give you a uh, credit. I don't think it's all 149 50 bucks or something toward right. your first set. So you can learn before you uh, before you buy you can take your process through a test run first perfect and mike anything else we can help you with this week well yeah i guess i could add to that i had, was coached through my ferry and everything for i don't know 15 16 years it was great the way that we could play there was exactly <laughs> what you said is start to finish and hey here's a ball deal with it the way you, what you're saying that bruce is doing and, and i think it's great is we're eating the elephant one bite at a time, not the whole thing at once. So it's, hey, let's practice sure. this bit, let's practice this bit. And oh, by the way, here's why that's important. So you get some great insight and you just get to try one verse of the song rather than the whole song first. So, Perfect. Not only that, it reminds me It reminds me of sports analogies. It's a football game plan or the NBA. You have a game plan going in and then every time the coach calls time out, he adjusts it. You readjust your game plan at halftime at the end of the third quarter and, and with two minutes to go. So you don't go in with a game plan, stick it with the, the whole way. You have to be flexible depending on what happens during the game to make adjustments. And that's really, I think that's really the genius of the way he teaches it. So... Yeah, I appreciate your kind words, appreciate your participation, and uh, we only have one more person in the queue, guys. we got plenty of time. Just hit star six and hit one, and you can be up next. In the meantime, next up is phone number ending in 5464. You're up next. Hey, what's going on? It's Eddie in Kansas City. Hey, Eddie. You can always count on you to participate. We appreciate you. Thank you. I, I wanted to report back on my getting the numbers from last week. I didn't have to use the strategies that you proposed. I just basically asked them and they were like, they just gave them. And they just said, I want this much. I didn't have to use them, but... Once they gave you, once they gave you the number, you went ahead and used them anyway. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, surprisingly, the numbers that they gave me were lower than... or well, They weren't lower. They were at what I was wanting to be at. Oh, uh, that's I didn't great. I try to beat them up. Um, sure. So... 
to, to that point, I had three appointments last well, yeah, I had three appointments last week and I have two signed contracts and one more that we're trying to figure out the best way to go. It's what my question is is in regards to is like the house is in terrible shape. It's been vacant for eight years. I think the person passed away a couple of years ago and to refresh the people listening if they haven't been on the call. I've re-sent letters to my, so that's where these, most of these are coming. So it's an old lead, and he's just ready to be done with it. The, in Kansas City, Kansas, they're pretty stringent on going off of the 75% of the appraised value to, that the probate court requires them to sell. Now, this house is in really bad shape, and the appraisal came back at 50000 So he, he says the court sell for 37.5 what i'm trying to find out is how is there any way to or have you heard of this is there any way to get around that is there a loophole is there a, i know you don't know can't flaws but anyway that, yeah. that's my question because i was at 30 he said 30 would be, he would understand that why i would need to be at 30 he said the court is saying it'd be 37.5 which is i could make money on it i'm just not going to make very much money so, yep I would I would ask the court or I would get with, with your preferred attorney and I would just ask them if they've ever um, seen a way to successfully challenge an appraisal in a case like this. You if the family's in agreement, you might it might be worth going and paying for an appraisal an appraisal, third party appraisal, and you and the family delivering it to the clerk's office or to the court. Especially if they're delivering it then the court can see, hey, the, the family's really good with this. Now, my question is, why would the court enforce that, that 37.5? Why would they enforce that? Is it because the debts exceed the, uh, the value in the estate? Or is it just an arbitrary rule that they're trying to make sure that nobody gets ripped off? In th- this isn't the first time that the court has hung up a, uh, a deal that I've been trying to go after. I think it's just an arbitrary thing that the judge, for whatever reason, is really stringent upon. He, they weren't at one time, because at one time I bought a house from a lady, and the amount that I was going to buy the house for was, it was less than that value. And her attorney stated that if all of the family members agreed to that price, then they could approve it. But for some reason, the judge is not allowing that to be the case mm-hmm. right now. I- Quick question for you. In most states, what you're referring to only occurs if there's no will and there's a court-appointed executor, because typically, if there's not, if there's a family member who's the executor, the court doesn't get involved in determining the value or what can be accepted. Is And I'm not familiar with Kansas City law either, but it sounds to me like that could be the case because in the past, if you've gotten lower offers accepted and all of a sudden you can't get this one, it just might be the mechanics of of the fact that there that the court there wasn't a will and there wasn't an executor appointed, so the court is more involved in the decision making process. And do you know that, or do you is that something maybe you should check with the attorney and ask him? The I would like to talk to the attorney and see if he could because sometimes I find that it's the attorneys that don't disclose to their clients that they could get less. That they're 
they're the ones who are saying this is the way that it has to be, when in reality it's not. Sure. I've no, I haven't had very many interactions yeah. with probate attorneys. I feel like they hide the truth, but they have, don't tell the whole truth. Have you ever had a? Have you ever been on the buyer's end and had a listing agent kill the deal, and the seller would have taken it, but the agent wants them to get more? That's that absolutely can be the case in probate, especially if the attorney is billing by the hour. So you don't really you don't really know, but but that would make sense. That very well could be the case. Yeah. So anyway, I, I would like to have a conversation with this particular attorney just to find out. Also, Eddie, I would just have a generic conversation with a probate attorney and and understand better the mechanics of when the court has to or doesn't have to get involved in your state. Because it's pretty, I don't, Bruce, correct me if I don't know, I can't think of another state we've run into where the court is involved in every single time determining the value. I think that would be pretty unusual if your state was the only place that happens. So you, you might want to just have that generic conversation and understand the process better. And that way, next time well, this ha- this happens, you'll be better able to, to challenge the attorney or have a conversation. Go ahead. The, what I've found is that like, like you could get full authority, full authority, then the court doesn't have to be a part of it. But if, and that comes down to when the probate attorney like files it, if they right. do their filing right, then you should get full authority. And so it might be yep. the probate attorney being like, I want to have limited authority, so then we have to go through this crap. And not to say that yeah. everyone's shady, but in my experience, most of them are shady. And you know, that, that is very... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 I'm fine. sorry. No, I was just going to say that is very much like California then. And, and that's a excellent reason and an excellent thing for you to bring up early in the conversation with the executors. Ask them, do you have full authority or limited, and and point out to them some of the nightmares you've gone through when people didn't have full authority. Their attorney might not like you, but if the probate was recently filed and they call back and say, hey, I've looked into it, I want full authority, they're going to have more leverage at getting it done the right way than you will. And and that is definitely an extra value you can add in your initial conversations with the executors. Yep, it's true. And I I would find yourself, attorneys, that's your lead in, is you lead in, hey, I want to understand the probate process a little bit more. I have built and I'm building a, a process. Could we have a five-minute conversation? I think if if you can uh, help clarify some things, I might be able to bring you some business type of conversation. Yeah. Okay. And Bruce, back to your point. So we've discussed doing another appraisal. The only caveat to that is if it comes back as higher, if the new appraisal <laughs> comes back as higher because the market is just insane, could we sure. shoot ourselves in the foot? So we're like, I don't know, you know, well, maybe we just take the 37.5 and gamble yeah. there instead of seeing if they could come down to, because it needs to, to get it at 30,000. I need to get by the appraisal to come in at 43.3 roughly. And so I was, I know that's only $7,000, but the market uh, and when, what a house could sell for in the neighborhood is between 150 and, or like 120 and 150,000. So how much is it going to, what's that? How much money is it going to need? What's the investment you're going to put into it after you buy it? It's going to need 60 probably. 60. Okay. So you'd be in it about uh, after closing costs and holding costs, you'd probably be in it between 105 and 110. 
and then have yeah. about $20,000. And $20,000 margin for those and that are flipping or trying to get into flipping, 20 is not a lot. 20 can go away um, really quickly if you run into an unknown problem. For me, 30 is my kind of baseline. I've done deals where yeah. I've, I'm willing to accept less than 30, but you know, you're flipping, you're, you're putting yourself on the line there. Eddie, question so for I'm you. Is your, is your, is your, I was going to say, I, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. You, you go first. And I just had a question for you. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm going to wholesale and I have a buyer that wants to do, is trying to do owner finance sales to people. So they mm-hmm. don't need as much equity when they're done repairing it. So I'm just going to wholesale it to them and then they're going to do the repair. And then, yeah, 20000 is less than I want to make on a rehab. So I was just going to wholesale to somebody make uh, between five and ten, depending on what I get it for, and then let them rehab it. Eddie, I was going to just ask you, is the contract that you're working with, is it as is or is it contingent on inspections? It's as is. Okay. You could. I was going to say you could use an as is with right of inspections contract, get the court to approve it for thirty-seven five, and then come back after inspections and say, hey, worse than I thought, I need to get it for thirty. A little bit sneaky, but if you've already presented it as his contract, though, it might be a little bit difficult to take a couple steps back. I haven't given him a contract at all yet. We're still negotiating. We're still negotiating, trying to figure out the best thing. Because so. personally, when I flip, I even though my contract says as is, I don't ever buy anything without doing inspections because I've got a good eye. I've seen hundreds of thousands of houses over the last 45 years, but I still don't know what I don't know. I'm not. I don't know if there's some hidden defects, so I always spend the three to five hundred dollars and do an inspection. Now, if you're wholesaling, you might not be planning on doing that, but in this case, if the only way you can get the contract approved is a thirty-seven five and give yourself ten days to do inspections, once it's approved at thirty-seven five, if you come back with you have the right to renegotiate, and it might be a little bit easier to do it at that point. After, and especially, you'll have more ammunition to go back with. That's just a, just a thought. If I were you and I was going to agree to the 37.5, if you have to, I would do it that way. Just make it with the right of inspections and take one more shot at getting a better price after the inspections are done. Okay. I have a, I have another question and this kind of a convoluted deal, but I didn't know if you have a, a suggestion on how. There's a in my neighborhood, there's a condo building, and it has four units, and there's an old lady who's in her 70s. She lives there, and then she had a friend who owned two other units in the building, and he just recently died, and she was under the impression that I assume there was some sort of a verbal agreement or a written will that can't be found, and so the the estate has to go through probate, and the brother of the guy who died is going to be the one who inherits everything, but he doesn't want it. And the lady who lives in the unit, she has zero money. The building is literally falling around, down around her. But we were going to see if, how should I go about trying to get brother to give his rights to this lady? He doesn't want to deal with them. What's, uh, what's the property worth? So it's condos and he owns two of them. The They're probably worth, 200000 each, not in the way that they sit right now, but fixed up, they'd be worth, I think this guy had two units just to store all of his crap in it, and <laughs> expensive storage. There's supposed to be an HOA because it's a technical condo, and every unit is supposed to pay a certain amount of money, but I don't think anybody's really done that, so like the back stairs 
the reason I ended up reaching out to these people is because I was looking at the house behind it, and I noticed the the fire escape back stairs were literally falling down. Like, it looks like giant death trap. And so I was like, yeah, I need to go find out what's happening there. And it happened that my realtor knows the lady who lives there, and he, he, he called me Friday, and he was like, the guy who died's brother doesn't want anything to do with it. I think the attorney that's working on it shady. Once again, we're back to that scenario. So I was going to get him a new attorney that I at least know and trust, see how we get his shares. I, I No, there's a handful of unknowns at the moment because we haven't even gotten into the property because nobody really knows who it is. Eddie, who owns the other two units? Because to me, that would be a condo with four units is if you own two of them, depending on who owns the other two, if you can get control, I've seen situations like that where they will, I don't know if that's a word, but uncondoize it, turn it back into a four unit building and it's not a condo anymore, but you got to get, you got to at least get control. Yeah. So there's this lady, Rosemary, she lives in the top, the top unit on one side. And then there's a lady who they've filed a lawsuit against for not paying anything because the water is all metered in one meter, and I think the gas is all at one meter. They, This lady hasn't paid anything in years. So they're, they've been trying to do some litigation or a lawsuit against her to either get her to give up her, her unit or pay, pay money into it. So if we could have two of them plus this other lady, we all join forces, I think we could do something yeah. like what you're talking about to... The, the the lady who her name is Rosemary. She has no money. She's on a fixed income and can't pay to fix the buildings. But if she gets control of the two two units, then we could fix up her place, make that place safe to live in, give her some money to live off of for a little bit long. She's in her upper seventies. Give her some money for him, and in return we take possession of the due. And you've already talked with the brother, right? No, I haven't. My realtor's working to get me at the brother's phone number. This and this, this didn't come up by from all the leads lead it just happens yep. to be that this is also another inherited situation. Yeah, you gotta talk so, to the brother as soon as you can. I would just have a conversation with the brother, say, Hey look, yes I'm an investor. I'm really doing this because I know Rosemary and she has one of the other four condos or one of the other two condos. And I hear you're looking to get rid of these. What do you want for them? Are you wanting anything for them? Or are you going to quit claim them over to someone? So I would go to that binary question approach when I talk with him, where I give him two options. Do you want something for them? Or do you want to quit claim them over to someone like the other, the, like Rosemary? And, and if he says, no, I want something for them, then find out how much, what he's thinking. If he says, no, I, I just want to be done with them, then you've got a really easy and clear path to be able to just do a, a deed transfer within the from the estate to Rosemary. But you don't know, other than a third party, what he wants or what his feelings are. It sounds like he just wants to be rid of them and not do not not take anything for them. And that's why I asked how much they were worth. Are they worth eighty thousand as is, ten as is? Are they are they worth? like a grand. I don't know. But I would first talk to him and I would ask him what he wants for them, what he wants to do for them. And if he is ready to get out of them, I would say, are you looking to just unload them and maybe quit claim it to one of the other residents? Or 
Are you looking to sell those and pull some cash out of them? And just see where he sits. Okay. All right, sir. And you, right now, you are the winner of the week. Congratulations on getting those other few deals. Okay. And I just wanted to, I wanted to comment, Eddie, you always participate. You're, you're, first of all, anybody who's listening, who's an investor, don't worry. Very few deals are as complicated as this. <laughs> so this is, most of them are much more straightforward. But secondly, I just wanted to comment. We talk about in this ridiculously strong seller's market, you got to be willing to think outside the box and you got to be willing to try and do things other people are not trying and doing. And you're a classic example of that, Eddie. That's why you're doing as well as you are. So put a couple more deals together and come back next week and be the winner of the week again. Yeah. I feel like what Bruce said really applies. They're base hits. They're not $100,000 deals, but they are base hits, and base hits are nice to just keep motivation going. Base hits win games, for sure, for sure. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you. All right. Last up this week is phone number ending in 4663. You're up last. Thank you. This is a question for Eddie's deal because I believe last week or the week before, this $30,000 house was the one that we were saying that there was a one person who owned uh, or was going to inherit 50% and then four other heirs were going to inherit the other 50%. And then mm-hmm. one of the four was going to be what was a holdout. And I believe we had a theory that they either wanted more money or the expressed intent was that they maybe wanted to keep it or, or somehow get it themselves. If Eddie is still on, can he answer how they got around that fifth? I guess the the fifth person in that equation that was resistant last week. Eddie, I just unmuted you. Eddie, you here? Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Did you hear that question? I did hear the question. This is actually a different deal than that. Okay, thank you. Did you get any resolution on that that one? I I actually haven't been able to get get back in touch with that owner. When I hear back, I will report back to the group. Impressive that there are that many $30,000 houses available in Kansas City. Thank you. <laughs> no kidding. If, in Florida, that would be a timeshare near Disney World. It would be 30000 You wouldn't find much else. All right, guys. We appreciate you. And, and that's a good question. Thanks for asking. And I want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. I want to particularly thank Eddie and Mike and Rick and those that uh, actively participated. And I want to challenge each of you. Take one idea, one creative thought uh, that inspired you on this call. Go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Have a great week, everybody. We will talk to you same time next Thursday. Take care.